the best year ever. When you think about the best year ever, what comes to your mind? Automatically, what comes to your mind? Well, I mean, when you think about the best year ever, by the way, do all the kids have one of these packets? We got, it's family day today, and so we only have preschool in the back. So if you, look, look, kids, if you don't have some candy, come get some candy. All right? Mr. Steve Painter wants to make sure you got some, come on, John, you want some candy? But you don't have no teeth, so it ain't gonna do you no good. But you can suck on it, though. It's all right, bro. You can suck on it. Come on and get some tea. If you Listen, if you're an adult and you want some candy, you can just come right on up and get some candy, okay? When you think about the best year ever, what comes to mind? No, not the year. I'm not talking about the year. When you think about the best, if you're thinking about the best year, what comes to mind? What would, what would it constitute for you to have the best year ever? What needs to happen this next year in your life? Trouble free? Honey, that ain't going to happen. Oh, I didn't ask you that. Okay. What, what, what do you mean to think about best year ever? Donald Trump to keep his promises. Well, you know that ain't going to happen. You know. Look, <laughs> we done been this. We've, we've been down this road. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in politicians, right? No, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> what is it? Friends and family. Best year ever. You know, some of us might think of this right here. If I only, if, if only, had, if I only had this, man, that would make the best year ever. Sometimes our minds might go, if you know, if I had another child, if I had another... Jason's got seven. He needs another one. The Seamson's got like six or seven. The Rose has got like six or seven. I mean, Rob, you'd like to add to your little quiver over there, wouldn't you? I know you would. Sometimes it might be, I wish I had a grandbaby. It might be a, a, job, a job promotion. It might be the building of a house, a new position. I don't know what it may be. But I bet you, some of us, when we think about the best year ever, you've got these things that sort of go on in your mind and you, you conjure up all these thoughts. You know, if I only had this, man, it would just be the best year ever. But here's the reality. This is the truth. So look around this room. Leslie, you're sleepy, aren't you? <laughs> this is what I know. As I look around this room, the reality is this. There's a lot of challenges that we're going to face this next year. Matter of fact, there's a great chance that some of us that are sitting here today won't be here by the, by the time 2018 rolls around. You might want to look to the person on your left or right and say, you know, you may not be here by the time next year turns around. Isn't that a good word for the day? The reality is this, is that we will face challenges this next year. It may be sickness. It may be relational challenges. It may be loss of job. It could be loss of life, like we said. I don't know what it may be. But the, real, the reality is that we will face challenges. 
And if you go into the next year looking at the best year ever as, as being a result of your best years being the circumstances that you're going to face, you're going to fail. So there's got to be something else. And I was talking to Jim the other day, and we were talking about the best year ever and, and the title behind this series because it's really not what you think it is. Jim and Lisa and the family has faced a really hard year this year with Lisa's um, diagnosis of cancer. And Jim looked at me and he said, but you know what? It's, it has been the best year ever. And so where does that come from? Where does the best year ever come from? I would have to say that the best year ever doesn't come from the things that happen around us, the circumstances that surround us. But I have to believe that the best years come from a peace and a confidence from knowing the Creator. And knowing Him intimately enough that there's a peace that comes. So what we want to do over the next several weeks, as best as we can, is we'd like to be able to open up and say, listen, for the next, for the next four weeks, God's Word is a, is a huge priority for us. It should always be a priority, but for the next four weeks, we're going, to focus, we're going to focus really heavily on God's Word. Matter of fact, we've done some things to really bring it to the forefront. We're going to talk about it today. Because here's the reality, guys. I know some of the only bits and pieces of God's Word that you get are when you show up here on Sunday mornings. That's the reality. I mean, if we were to be honest and we were to be truthful... For some of us that are here today, that are sitting here, and you may be faithful and never miss a Sunday, but for some of you, the only piece of God's Word that you get is when you arrive here on Sunday, and then you don't get another dose of God's Word until you walk back in on the following Sunday. And I'm going to tell you, it ain't enough to sustain you people. It just ain't enough. It's just not enough. And so we want to talk about what does it look like? And if there's one New Year's resolution that we should make, it should be the commitment to be into God's Word, to read it, to study it, and to apply it to our lives. I, uh, so I don't really know a better New Year's resolution than the commitment to say, God, I want to spend more time in your Word, because I know that what the Scripture teaches is that there are times that are coming ahead that may be challenging, and I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be caught off and, and man for my foundation to be swept away. But I want to know that regardless of what takes place, that there's a peace that passes all understanding. And that the foundation that I stand is safe and secure. Because it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to come in on church and man, God believe, man, Jesus is man, he's great. Until all of a sudden that storm enters our lives. And then we don't know what really what to do because we've spent a lot of time listening to somebody else instead of absorbing it and applying it to our lives. So let's start off in the book of John. Let's go to the book of John chapter 1. And I'm going to move really quickly today. I'm going to do a couple of things. I want to talk about God's word really quickly. And then what I want to do is I want to, I want to talk about um, 
maybe some theology behind how God's word can come alive for you that I think is pretty, pretty real and I think it'll expose some things that'll help you. And then at the end, I want to give you some practical application things. And if you don't have a copy of the notes, there are, there's some things that you can write down. I think there's some copies out. Sheila's getting up. She says, listen, if you don't have a copy, and I don't have a copy with me, but there's because you need to take some notes today. This will be really, really helpful for you. Dan's got a copy. He can hold it up. That's what they look like. Um, but if you don't have, hold up your hand, and Brian will pass out some. They'll give you because you want to have these, and these are available to you. We provide these for you so that you can, you can keep notes so that you can have these to refer back to. Um, let me tell you what I like to do. If I had my preferences and I had my money, I, this is what I would do. I'd provide notebooks for every one of you guys, and I would three-hole punch those things, and I would put them in a notebook for you so that you would have those and so you'd always keep them. Let me tell you why. Um, because I think it's very, very important. I had somebody call me about a month ago, and they said, you never know what the stuff that's put up on the screen, what the difference it makes down the line when we're walking through things. And they said, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. And I knew that we had talked about it, and I went back because I keep notes on my phone. Now, I'm, I'm, a techno, I'm a techno guy. I'm not anywhere near what Brian does, okay? Um, but he says, I keep notes on my phone. I did a search on my phone, went back to my notes, and I found exactly what we were talking about. And it helped me walk through that time because I took notes on that Sunday morning. And he said, I went back to what God's Word had to say. And it's really important to keep notes. Write it down. Not just hear it, but write it down. It's just another way to help, to help internalize what God's Word has to say. Not what I have to say, but what God's Word has to say. So anyway, let me read some things to you today, but before we do that, let me, let me pray with you, because I think, I really think there may be something that's said today that, that may be really uh, helpful for you, especially for those that, that come to church but don't necessarily spend a lot of time in God's Word. This is additional the gathering together of God's people is extremely important. But let me tell you what most important is. You spending time in God's word. That's valuable. That is most important. So I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for us as we begin this time. Man, I pray just God gets all in the midst of this, and he speaks some stuff that I don't even speak today that just penetrates your heart so that this year will be the best year ever. Not because of the circumstances. Not because of the circumstances. But because you know God better. And there's a stronger peace because of his presence. And because of your trust in him. So let me pray. And then we start. Father, what a great day it is. Would your word do exactly what it says? Would it penetrate our hearts today? Holy Spirit, would you teach us today? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Lisa, I don't know if you still have this as a memory verse. Brian and I have sort of battled back and forth on this. Um, but do you have on your screen Psalms 119, 15, and 16? 
If I had a memory verse for you over this series, this would be this memory verse. We've sort of taken it out because I'm going to share with you why um, at the end. But if I had a memory verse, this might be one that you might want to write down and, and commit to memory. And it's out of Psalms 119. If you don't know what Psalms 119 is, it's um, probably the longest, most in-depth chapter in the Bible on God's Word. And this is what it says in 119, Psalms 119, 15, and 16. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Would you repeat that with me? It's on the screen. Will you say that out loud with me, please, this morning? It says, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Psalms 119, 15, and 16. John chapter 1, and this is what John writes. In the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, maybe a good way to put it this way, if you want to get to know God, you need to get in the Word. Let me just say that. If you want to get to know God, you need to get yourself in the Word, okay? And, and what, what's being said here, listen, the most important thing that we need to know about the Word, he says in, in John 1.14, if you go back and you remember what we talked about John, John wrote this later on in his life, you remember? And he's talking about Jesus, and he didn't go through the birth narrative, but he tells us about the fact that Jesus was born into a time that was extremely dark, and he says that, and he says that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And in John 1.14, he says, listen, God came down in the form of flesh, he was human. So the Word became human in the person of Jesus and made His home among us. Not just God far, far away, but Emmanuel here among us. And while Jesus was among us, man, He spoke. And as He spoke, we have some of the words that Jesus spoke. And those words were extremely powerful words, and we're going to talk about some of the words that Jesus spoke and, and how powerful they were. And if I had a goal over the next four weeks, it would be that we would come to, to learn God's Word, that we would come to, to love God's Word, and to live out God's Word, that you would come to love, to learn, and to live. Extremely important. Extremely important. That's the goal. And one of the verses that we find that Jesus speaks is in John chapter 6, verse 63. And listen to what it says. I love this verse, and Abby and I were talking about it yesterday. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes what? Nothing. Listen. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Now, what do you think he's saying here? I mean, I thought that my works was worth something. What does he say? It ain't worth nothing. goes along with what Paul said, for by grace are we saved through what? Through faith, not of works. No. Man, listen, he said, the Spirit alone is what gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And listen to this, what Jesus said, the very words I have spoken to you are Spirit. Now, this is a very interesting passage of Scripture because a, a more literal translation of this would have been the word breath. Now, that didn't make any sense. 
It's because we don't really have a word to, to translate spirit in the English, in the word pneuma. We don't really have a word. And so a more literal translation would have been the word breath. But you wouldn't, I mean, that doesn't sound right. And the very words I've spoken to you are breath. What does that mean? It's confusing. But let me tell you what he's really saying here. He's saying, listen, not just the breath of God, but the breath of God with the fulfillment that there's power behind the words of what God speaks, that there's power that flows through the word, that there's power, and not only the power, but there's fulfillment in the power. In other words, the power that when it speaks, the power to fulfill what the, what's being spoken. And that's what's being said here, that the word of God is active and then we find that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12. You, maybe you've heard that. The Word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's not just a book. It's not just a good history book. It's not just a gathering of a bunch of literature. But man, listen, God's Word is, is alive and it's powerful. And it says, and he gives this picture sharper than a, the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. Let's just put this in this like Fruitland Park. Leesburg, Oxford, man, it gets all up in your business. That's what it does. Man, listen, it'll just cut you up. It'll show you what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. That's what God's Word does. But there's power, and with that power, it can bring change. It brings change. It's that saying. You remember that saying, no Jesus? No Jesus, no change. No Jesus, no change. That's where it's at. So God's Word just isn't helpful information. It's not just good historical data, but there's power that comes along with it, especially when you begin to apply God's Word to our lives. So we said God's Word is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and, de and desires. God's Word reveals who we are and who we aren't. See, there's the thing that we want people to think who we are, but who we, who we want people to think who we are may not be who we are. Are you with me? God's Word, man, it can nail it. It goes right to the core. But sometimes God's Word can be difficult to understand, can be very difficult to comprehend. And so let's talk about some of the theology of understanding God's Word. So how do I better understand God's Word? And then, then we'll look at some of the practical application things. But how, how, can I, how can God's word come alive for me? Let me give you point number one. Are you ready? Here it is. Faith activates the word. You want to write that down. Faith activates the word. So faith, my faith, helps activate the word of God, helps bring the word of God alive. Faith, remember what faith is? Forsaking all I trust him. What do you call that? How do you say that? Acronym. See, I was just testing you to see if you knew what you were talking about. That's all. Yeah, yeah, just testing you. Forsaking all, I trust him. This is what Hebrews 4 2 says. And I, man, I, I love this passage of scripture. For this good news, the good news. This is writers writing to the Jewish uh, believers and non-believers. And he says, the good news that God has prepared 
this rest, the kingdom of God, talking about the kingdom of God, the good news of God, he says, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them, the non-believers, didn't do them any good. So you've got the same word being spoken to, to, to a group of people. To one group of people, it did them good. To other group of people, it didn't do any good. Now, why is that? I mean, how in the world could that be? They heard the same exact thing. To one group, it did good. They didn't. Uh, they got it. Um, they benefited from it. But for the other, it didn't do any good, and they didn't benefit from it. Well, why in the world was that? Why was that? And he goes on to answer that question. He said, because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. They didn't share the faith. Faith is what activates the Word. It's that key ingredient in bringing the Word alive. Man, you want God's Word to come alive in your life? Have faith to believe what it says. You want God's Word to be active? Man, look, have faith in what it says to trust what it says. So they heard the good news, but there wasn't any change. There wasn't any benefit. And this is what he was saying. Man, listen, you can come to church all you want. You can read the Bible all you want. You can go to every Bible study that you want to go to. You can download every verse that you want to, you want to read. You can download all the version Bible study apps that you want to do. But it's not going to make a difference if you don't have faith. It's important. You can study it till you're blue in the face. But faith, without faith, it's just another word. It's just another book. Without faith, it's just not going to work. Faith activates the word. It ignites. It brings it to life. I mean, when you sit down and, and read the word, do you believe what the word of God says? Or do you go, ah, oh, that ain't true? I mean, when you read some of the stories, you go, ah, oh, that's just a story. There's no way that could take place. Or do you say, man, listen, if that's what God's word says, I believe it. Faith activates the word. And not only does faith activate the word, listen to this, revelation activates faith. Write that down. Revelation activates faith. It's that Wow. Man, it's that aha moment that takes place in our life that, that all of a sudden, man, you see something that you didn't see before. It's that revelation where something comes to life and all of a sudden you can see it and you get it. There are two words for the word um, word in the Greek language. That's pretty two words for the word word in the Greek language. Logos and rhema. Logos, which is the spoken and the written word, and rhema, which is the revealed word, I can see it. I can see it. And what happens is when the word comes alive and it's empowered and there's a fresh revelation that begins to activate our faith. And the best way to receive the rhema of God is to spend more time in the logos. Do you hear that? The best way to, to receive the rhema of God and the revelation of God is to spend more time in the written word of God and hearing the spoken word of God. How many times do we read things and yet we don't believe it? How many times have you read God's word and you've had that aha moment? Practice. 
practical application. Then I want to share something with you, a story from Scripture. How many of you believe in prayer? How many of you exercise prayer and belief? How many of you are lying through, the, through your teeth? Think about that. Be honest. Be honest. How many of us have a prayer life that exudes faith that we believe that God's word says that the, what the Bible has to teach in reference to prayer, that if we ask anything in his name, it'll answer us? How many of us really believe that? I wish I could say that I've always practiced that. How many of us have just gone through the motions and prayed yet not believed? How many of us have prayed for an unsafe friend or unsafe family member? Or if we've prayed for somebody that's sick and you've just prayed and walked away, you've just prayed to go through the motions. Are you with me? I remember um, trying to help this come alive with the kids, and this has become so funny in our family um, because I've tried to, to teach them over time in some of the dumbest of things I mean some of the weirdest of things I've tried to say God I, guys I want you to know that, that that God cares and 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 his word is real and so and I've told you before about keys and I've told you before about some some other things but but let me let me tell you of two personal experiences okay I've not told you about this but I'm gonna tell you something <clears throat> I'm going to tell you one with Caleb, and then I'm going to tell you one with me. Um, at the Omni this year, just, just before leaving before the Omni, Caleb had gotten a brand new pair of glasses. Glasses are expensive, people. Are you with me? When we go to leave the Omni, Caleb is flipping out. He can't find his brand new pair of glasses. We're packed up. I'm ready to take luggage downstairs. Meredith's calling me. Caleb's beside himself. He can't find his glasses. You know, he left them down. It, it, it had started raining. And um, in the everything that was going on, he thought that they had maybe gotten uh, bound up in, in one of the towels outside and that somebody had picked them up. And so I just told Meredith, I said, have him stay there. I'll be down in just a second. We're going to practice. Be down there and we'll practice. Do the same thing I do all the time with him. I have so many stories on this. So I come downstairs. Because, <laughs> I mean, look, we could really get ticked, people, about this. Are you with me? We could get really upset over this. So I really tried to, I mean, I tried to walk downstairs. I mean, we're talking expensive glasses. Thank you, Lord, for eyeglass insurance that's all I got to say that was my backup plan just in case <laughs> so uh anyway so I walked downstairs and he's man he's pacing downstairs in the lobby and I said I said okay bud sit down for a second so he sat down and I said let's talk about this so we talked and I said okay um I said have you prayed Daddy, I prayed I said well, let's, let's pray one more time I said let's make sure we do this thing right okay so we sit down and we prayed and I said I said, all right, let's go take one more trip. So we walked outside, we walked downstairs, walked around, didn't see anything, and told the guy, I said, listen, if you find some glasses, I'll call them, leave information. And so he goes, Dad, where are we going? I said, we're going home. He goes, Dad, we can't go home. 
I said, son, we've already prayed and asked God to take care of it. I said, so I'm trusting that God's going to take care of it. Either he's going to give us the glasses back or he's not going to give us the black glasses back. I'm not stressed about it. He's going to handle it, okay? Are you with me? Nothing I can do about it. And so I could tell this kid is stressed. Brand new pair of glasses. So we get into the car, we get into the car and we head out. And as soon as we get in the car, about, I said, ah, don't want to hear it. We've turned it over to God. We've prayed about it. We've left it with him. It's done with. It's over with. Sit. Not going to do it anymore. Our ride home. Our ride home. Things are going well. We get to the mailbox right before we get to the house. Meredith goes to get her keys, and she goes, you have got to be kidding me. I said, what? She goes, look on the floor of the car. And I said, what's on the floor of the car? She goes, Caleb, look on the floor of the car. And there was his glasses. I told him, I said, all I said was, thank you, Jesus, for answering prayer. The glasses must have mattered. That's all I said. Now, let's go up to Matthew. Wasn't that hurricane called Matthew that was supposed to hit us? Had some friends that didn't have a generator, elderly couple. I had a generator. I thought, Lord, if I, gotta, if I can find another generator, I'll go buy another generator, and I'll give them the generator that I have. And so I was able to find another generator that morning. I took them, my generator, and got them hooked up. I unhooked all of my stuff because I have it hooked into my system so that I can run it through my house. Hooked it all up, set it aside. So <clears throat> I went to hook up my stuff, and I didn't have the plug I needed to hook into my system. And I'm like, well, you got to be kidding me. I can't go back to their house and go give me my generator back. <laughs> I start making phone calls. There's nobody got a plug. I mean, listen, I know people, and no people I know had a plug that I needed. I, I know people who know people who know people. <laughs> and know people who know people who know people had a plug. And I called this one man who I know who knows people who know people who know people who know people. And he was out looking for a plug. So I had called this place, place of business, and they said, sir, we don't have none. We haven't had none. And I mean, I called everybody. I mean, everybody, big and small business individuals. So I was halfway there. I walked in the door. I just hung up the phone because I was waiting on them. I knew it was busy. It was that morning that the hurricane was supposed to be coming in. So I walked in the door, and, and, she, and I said, look, I'm the guy that was on the phone with you. I got to have a plug. She goes, sir, listen, I'm telling you. We don't have any plugs. And I said, look, no, you just hadn't seen the plugs. <laughs> she said, I'm telling you. She said, for two days, we've not had any plugs. And she said, person after person after person has been through every box that we have. We have no plugs. I said, ma'am, let me tell you something. I done prayed. And I said, Jesus is going to have to show up and give me some plugs. I said, because I done done what I should have done. I done helped the old people out. And I said, I got to have a plug. And I said, I don't even know what else to say. I got to have a plug. And, um, and she said, I said, where's, where's the boxes? And she pointed in that direction. I said, I'm going to find a plug. So I got over to the boxes, and I, sat, and, I, and I stood over those four boxes in those aisles. There were like four or five boxes. 
And I, and I literally said this. I said, Jesus, I, I need a plug. I need a plug. Now, if you want me to have it, I want you to bring it about. But I've got to have a plug. I've done the right thing. Give me a plug. <laughs> I sat down on the ground, and I started going through boxes. I got down to the last box, and there's my plug. Now, the story ain't over. The story's not over. And I said, Jesus, thank you. I said, thank you, but I know I got a friend that's looking for a plug too. And he's just as, and he's just as desperate as I am. And, um, and I said, would you be so willing to give me a plug for him? The last plug in that box was another plug. I turned around on my fanny. I was on my phone. And I was on the phone trying to call him. I couldn't reach him. I hung up. I stood up. And he was standing right behind me. <laughs> and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find a plug. He goes, there is no plugs in this place. I have been through it two times. He's an electrical engineer. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm fixing to make something to work. <laughs> and I said, is that what you're looking for? He goes, where in the world did you get that? And I said, I prayed about it, and God gave it to me. He said, man, I sure wish I had one. I said, this is yours. He goes, where's yours? I said, I prayed for me one too, and I got mine first. <laughs> I said, this is going to be really funny going back up to the, to the register. And we went back up to the register. And, and that little girl, I threw him up. She goes, I told you you wouldn't find them. And I said, no, ma'am, I didn't find, find one. I found two. And she looked at me, and she said, and I said, these ought to be for free because Jesus gave them to me because you sure didn't. <laughs> so... If you want the name of my friend, you come see me, and he will verify every word that I just told you. But let me tell you something. Guys, how many times do we read God's word, yet we don't believe it? I tell you that to say, how many times do we read God's word, yet don't believe it? There is the revealed word of God. Now, we see this in the story of of Mary and the birth of baby Jesus in the, in, the, in the birth story in Luke chapter 1, verses 34. you got the, 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 the angel Gabriel that comes to Mary um, to announce that Mary's going to have a child and she's to call that child Jesus. And listen to how Mary responded. Listen to this. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? In other words, this don't make no sense. This can't happen. This is impossible. It's just, it's incomprehensible. She went on to say, I'm a virgin. I've not known a man. Now, think of the foolishness of how Luke felt, because here's Luke, a doctor, that's writing all this stuff down. Luke knew how babies were made. He knew where, how a child was conceived. And here's Luke writing and recording this information. How in the world can this happen? I'm a virgin. She said, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit 
will speak, he will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And there's a revelation that begins to take place in Mary's life. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son, is now in her sixth month. And then what does it say in verse 37 in the New Living Translation? For nothing is impossible with God. The New International Version says this, For no word from God will ever fail. Meaning this, God's word revealed God's word will never fail us. Those aha moments, you can trust it. You can trust it. So you got from that, you got to be kidding me, to wow. I wonder if Mary had reflected, if she had heard about the story of Abraham and, of Abraham and Sarah and how for so many years they had gone barren. And how when the, when, the, when the angel spoke to them, they just sort of blew it off. Because Sarah's response was just like many of ours would have been, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, right. A kid? Now? I don't think so. I mean, he's an old man. And I'm an old woman. And yet the Lord's response to their doubts was this. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Do you believe it? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Do you believe that? Or do you just sort of blow it off and go, yeah, God, but there's just, yeah. Do you believe it? Mary went from not getting it. How can it be? I don't know how that can happen to God. Mary responded by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you had said about it, about me, come true. The angel left her. And guess what? She became pregnant by faith, by acting. How do you get faith? By revelation. By acting on the revelation of God's word. So faith ignites, it activates God's word. Revelation activates faith. Well, what is it that activates revelation? Meditation. Write it down. Meditation. Meditation activates revelation. When I used to hear the word meditation earlier, you know, when I was younger, people used to say, ooh. No. No, that's not how you define meditation. It's not what the Word of God says about meditation. There's reading of God's word, but then there's meditating on it. There's chewing on it. There's pondering it. There is um, mulling it over. Meditation defined as this reflective thinking on biblical truth so that God is able to speak to us. And the goal of meditation, here's the goal, the internalization and personalization of Scripture for the purpose of transformation. In other words, I'm going to take what God's word has to say. I'm going to internalize it. I'm going to make it personal specifically because my life, I want it to be transformed, to be different, to be changed. A change of attitude and of thinking and of actions. And this is what Joshua has to say. He said, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. And then what does he say? 
What does he say? Read it. He says, meditate on it. Meditate. The picture that you get in the Hebrew was this, a cow chewing the cud. If you know anything about that, he would eat some grass, he would chew it, he would swallow it, he would throw it back up. He would chew on it some more, chew on it some more, he would swallow it, he would throw it back up and chew on it some more. Again and again and again. How many of us do that to God's word? I mean, how many of us are, are that demanding? We take God's word and we just, we just, man, we chew on it and chew on it and we digest it and then we bring it back up a little bit later and we think about it again and then we, you know, we, we digest it and we think about it again a little bit later and we mull it over and we, you know, and he says, we will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. And who doesn't want that for our lives? I mean, is there anybody in here that doesn't want to be successful? And Joshua tells us, listen, if you want to be successful, if you want to have the best year ever, spend time in God's Word. Meditate on the Word because it leads to revelation, which leads to faith, which activates the Word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus is speaking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been teaching for, for quite a long time. And at the end, this is what he says, and I'm going to speak this in the message version of what Jesus, because he, and in the midst of this teaching, he concludes his time of teaching with this thought. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. In other words, just something that you can pick up, add to, you know, listen, Listen, don't dismiss what God's Word says. This isn't just little bits and pieces that you need to maybe... This is important. Don't blow them off. He says they are foundational words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on a solid rock. Because this is what we know about 2017. There are going to be storms that will come. In 2017. What about some practical applications? Number one, in reference to God's word, you got to make sure that you believe God's word is true and trustworthy. See, that's important. That before you read it, you've already sold into the fact that I'm not just going to sit back, but I believe that what God's word is, what God's word says is true and that it's trustworthy, that God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. It's there. It's not just a good book. It's not just a, a, a book of good ideas from a good man, but it's God's Word. It's true. It's trustworthy. It's the inerrant, perfect Word of God. It stands the test of time. It stands the test of generations. It stands the test of culture. And I love what Paul said in reference to God's Word and accepting it. He said it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Therefore, we never stop thanking God, talking in reference to the believers of Thessalonica, that when you received, received, and that word received, dekomai, means to like, um, like a, a stranger is knocking at the door, and you know that they're a stranger, but you still let them in. Are you with me? You ever, you ever had, you let somebody into your life even though you don't know them. This is what God's word was to them. They didn't understand it. They didn't know it. But they let it in as a guest. So the Decamai, he says that when you received his message 
from us. You didn't think of our words as mere human ideas, but you accepted what we says as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word, the one that you've received and you let into your life, he says, continues to work in you who believe. Paul said, listen, God's word, the one that you let in, has transforming power. Transforming power. Some of you say, you know, listen, man, I've tried this stuff, but it's been no transformation for me. And I think Paul would probably say, listen, you've read it. You may have read it. But have you, have you studied it? Have you meditated on it? Have you applied it? Are you holding on to it? I love what Isaiah says. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of God, what does it do? Stands forever. Stands forever. It's trustworthy. So you got to believe it, and then how do we take those, those, those truths that are in the Word and how do we assimilate it? How, do, how does it seep down into every area of our life? How do we soak on it so that it penetrates every area? And so here are some specific things of how God can work. God's Word can work down into our lives. I'm going to read them really fast for you. Listening to it. I don't know if you're a good listener. I'm a better talker than I am a listener. Okay? I'm a better talker than I am a listener. I need to be a better listener. I need to listen to God's word. That's what Paul said in Romans 10. He says, faith comes from hearing, from listening. Faith comes from hearing. He says, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Jesus talks about the importance of listening in the parable of the sower. He said in Luke chapter 8, verse 18, so pay attention to how you hear to those who listen to my teachings. More understanding will be given, but for those who are not listening... Not paying attention, even what they think they understand will be taken away from you. You know, we are to treat God's word like we do a meal. I don't see very many of us in this room that like to miss a meal. We are to treat God's word as that every day, man, just like we want to have a meal, we want to be, we ought to be able to want to sit down and, and feast on God's word. It's important. It's vitally important. God's word's called the bread of life. Jesus said, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love technology. Here's another thought. But you need a, a written copy of God's word. I think you need a written copy of God's word. Man, I, you know, before cell phones, uh, I, I used to have all kinds of numbers memorized. I really did. Now with a cell phone, all I go, Siri, will you call call Luke. You know, before cell phones, I'd have known Luke's number because I wouldn't want to spend time going to having to find the phone book and go look it up. What are we going to do if, if Siri ever takes a break? Because I don't even think they print phone books anymore. What are we going to do if the internet ever goes down? How are you going to call somebody? What are you going to do if they ain't got no electricity? Hmm. Mercy. I got some stories to tell, but I'm not going to go there. Um, get a copy of God's Word. Man, listen, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, get yourself a copy of God. Don't depend on your phone. 
I understand, man, and I'm, I'm all for that. But get a copy. If you don't have a copy, you can't afford a copy. We've purchased some Bibles that we, that we use in our foundations class. And there are some that are out at Guest Central. And I promise you, if you go after the service and you say, listen, I don't have a copy of God's Word and I can't afford one, we will give you one. I want you to have one. You need a copy of God's Word. If you can afford one, I'd love for you to get a life application Bible because I think it will be so helpful for you in your studying. Another thing, set aside time daily to read the Bible. Some people say, well, I just ain't got time. Listen, you got time to do what you want to do. Some of you stayed up all night long, you know. Some of you stayed up all night. You'll, go, you'll get up early in the morning to go fishing, or you'll stay late at night, you know, um, to do whatever. you got time to do what you want to do. You just need to elevate the importance of God's Word. It needs to become important in your life. You need to have a plan. Have a plan. If you don't have a plan, we've got a plan for you. Lisa, do you got this video? Listen, Brian's not even here, and he's, he gets an opportunity to speak. I want you to watch this video because over the next year, we want to take an opportunity to walk you through a Bible reading plan in the New Testament. Hello, if, Heritage family. What? This is Pastor Brian. Look. And I want to quickly show you how to download the Bible reading plan that we're going to do for the year 2017 for your iPhone or iPad. Go to your app store. Watch this, but it's already on the internet. for Bible reading plan. The second one that came up in my list was reading plan by James H. Price. Download that plan. Once you've downloaded the plan, open it and go up to the menu at the top right corner. Choose reading plan, and there are only a few of them there. We're going to go down to view available plans at the bottom, and you're going to scroll, and you are looking the Moody Church NT plan. This plan covers the New Testament in a year, reading five chapters per week. Hit download and then press done at the top right. Now you see Moody Church NT is at the bottom there of your list of reading plans. Now go back to settings. On your start date, you're going to choose January 2, that's Monday, 2017. On Bible link, you need to check that and select either Bible Gateway or any other Bible that you have on your phone that is automatically pulled up here. I'm going to choose my Crossway ESV Bible. On notifications, I'm going to choose badges and text. And I'm going to have this remind me every morning at 5.05. That should give me five minutes to make a cup of coffee. <laughs> now press the done button in the top right corner. I'm going to allow this app to send me notifications and I'm ready to go. This is our 2017 Read the New Testament Together in a Year plan at Heritage Community Church. Thanks for watching. So you can pick this up. Um, and it's on the uh, website right now. So 
Listen, if you couldn't catch all that, go home. Download that information if you got a smartphone. But it's, it's five, listen, it's just it's five days a week. And if you get behind, don't get stressed about it. Yes, ma'am, Miss Jeannie. Now, wait, Jeannie, don't ask. I'm not that person to ask that question to. You send Brian a text. Brian, do a video for Android, whatever an Android is. Is that like a Star Wars type thing? Okay. Oh, but anyway, you, you asked him that question. I ain't that person to ask. But get a plan. And if you've already got a plan, listen, it'll only take you 10 minutes to read. We're going to read it. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to write on it. We're going to put things on Facebook. But it's not reading just to read. We're reading to hear what God's saying to us and to read it together. And if you've already got a plan, you stick with your plan. But we'd love for as many people as possible to read. We want to give you a plan. And it's on, it's on the website. Um, but look for the takeaways. And not only that, in just a few weeks, we're going to talk about how to better study what God's Word and how to take, what's the takeaway? How do you spend more time studying God's Word? And we're going to talk about what that is. How do you not just study it personally, but how do you get together? See, that's the importance of missional communities, not just sharing life together. Let me tell you what, sharing life together can send you to hell, people. Hello? Hello? I'm just listening to what I'm telling you. You can do a lot of good things and yet not do the right things. In our missional communities, we ought to be spending time talking about God's Word. You ought to be, there's a group of men that meets at Chick-fil-A and they talk about God's Word. In our conversations throughout the week, you ought to be talking about God's Word, looking at ways to apply God's Word to your life. So study God's Word. Scripture says, I've hidden God's Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. God's Word is important for spiritual growth. And not only the assimilation, but also the application. The application. If you're looking for the best year of your life, best year of your life. It may be because of some circumstances that happen in and around you, but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The reality is that we're going to face some difficult times, probably. And our strength, our strength will need to come from knowing and having a peace from knowing our Heavenly Father. Not just knowing the Scriptures, but knowing the the one for whom the scriptures was written. And that's the, I guess that's the sort of the, the basis behind the next four weeks because I want you to have the best year ever. So what's your commitment to spiritual growth over the next year? What commitment are you willing to make? How far are you willing to go? And are you willing to, to say, you know, as far as, as, far as my, my goals for, for 2017, I want to spend more time in the Word. I want to learn, to, I want to learn it more. I want to learn that, love it more. And I want to live it more. I want to read it more. I want to study it more. I want to apply it more. It begins with just an opportunity to say, yes, Jesus. That's what I want to do. But how far do you, are you willing to go? How committed are you willing to be? It's not about checking something off. It's about, God, I want to grow because I want to experience the best year ever.